Good evening and welcome back to Editing Aloud. I have with me a panel of some of South Africa's best journalists joined this evening by Isaiah Mklanga from Alexander Forb. Welcome. He's um, going to talk to us a little bit later about the medium-term budget and what, what we expect. But we have to start um, ahead of a possible announcement from the DA leadership on the DA basically blowing itself up. Uh, Rob Rose, the official opposition, imploding. Yeah. What do you make of it and what are the consequences for the country? Well, I mean, this comes days after Herman Mashaba resigned um, as mayor of Joburg. And that's going to be, um, I mean, the fact is that Musi Mamani was at Mashaba's announcement this week. Um, you had a sense of solidarity between the two, that there was, uh, there, there was a crisis brewing. And it, it seems at this point that the DA is essentially blowing itself back 10, 10 15 years. Um, it's, you know, we've always had a sense that the DA politics has been fragile over the last couple of months, but now it's reached a crisis point, and I think what they do now, reverting back to Helen Ziller, um, will determine the future of opposition politics in this country to some extent. TJ? Yeah, if you think what a big coup it was for them to win, well, Tswane and, uh, and Johannesburg in the, in the municipal elections. Yeah. 2016. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, that sort of was it looked to be their model, like a slow uh, expansion to, to other parts of the country and then proving that you could run that. But none of those two cities, their mayors left before their terms ended. So, I mean, what, what does that tell you for continuity and, uh, I mean, for, for retaining leadership? It's, it's just strange. So you vote in the election for a certain mayor because that guy's uh, face is on the poster, but he doesn't stick it out until the next one. So but cannot, they, is it, Rob? they also yeah. weren't able to make a discernible difference in the governance of those cities Absolutely. like they were in Cape Town. Yes. Cape Town is what they said, give us the chance to run your cities, we can do this. They didn't do this in, in Pretoria and, 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 and Joburg. The coalition politics of Joburg with the EFF seem mm. to be very uh, bizarre and complicated. And, and Sikonati, one, one has a suspicion, as many point, people have pointed out, that Mr. Mashaba has swung all the way from free market foundation activist to EFF populist in the space of just a couple of years. I would think that's quite an extreme. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that that, that, that coup that uh, TJ was talking about, uh, winning uh, in Tony and, and, and in Johannesburg, particularly in Johannesburg where you actually even attracted a man like Herman Mashaba, so great was he that he was hated by, by the EFF. That, 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 that was just one of the master strokes of the DA. Now, they, 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 have, they have reversed that, uh, all of that back. Of course, we, we, we have the disadvantage of recording this show just before the media briefing that Musa Maimane is going to give. But let's say he announces his resignation. I think it's three months late. He should have announced his resignation at the results of the general election as soon as they were published if i was Muslim, my man i was going to stand up and say ladies and gentlemen thank you very much i will be stepping down as soon as the democratic alliance is able to organize an elective conference and we will bring it forward that way you live on your own terms and you give the members of the democratic alliance and op uh, uh, the opportunity to actually nominate you again uh, back to the position if they if enough of them still have confidence in you and this time you do it right you get in there, do it right, and put the policies that you want, not the policies that Helen Ziller wants, not the policies other people want. You, you don't become everything to everybody. You choose, I want to be a black party or a mainstream party, or I want to be a right-wing party. You make your choice and go with it. 
drop the ball on that one. Isaiah, medium-term budget next week um, is going to be not a happy occasion, I suspect. How bad are the numbers going to be? What can government do to get back onto even keel? I think if you look historically, National Treasury has always been able to, pro to provide numbers that looks okay. Essentially just hitting where credit rating agencies are looking at because they know what rating agents expect so they can tweak the numbers so that they just fit that. But I think for this time around, it's not going to be the, about the numbers because we know the numbers are, are going to be bad. A fiscal deficit of anywhere, you know, upwards of 6% of GDP, debt to GDP ratio going about 65% of GDP. I think those are really big numbers compared to what we have been expecting or what we were told by Treasury in February. The question is going to be how credible are the numbers? That's going to be the question. It's more credibility than the actual numbers themselves. And I think uh, without uh, massive reforms which include ESCOM and also some of the uh, the reforms that were mentioned in the strategic document that was released by National Treasury. Again, even those reforms are not entirely new. We have had them for a very long time. It's more about the intention to, to implement that is going to, 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 to make the cut. Up is credibility more important this time than it usually is? Absolutely, it is, it is very important because for the past uh, couple of decades, we've had uh, economic reforms announced but lack of implementation. And we've heard National Treasury say, let's sell some of the coal-fired generation um, so that we can reduce ESCOM's debt. But the president comes and says, we are not selling anything. You know, so th there's already a conflict between uh, what is being announced within the same administration. So it seems there's no consensus as to what to do with ESCOM. And to what extent does the budget then reflect that, that political divide over ESCOM's future? Dijombeweni is, is, is in trouble, so to speak. Uh, he was complaining yesterday in Parliament as they were giving ESCOM that 59 billion rand that he keeps having to find money, money that that gets and uh, money that gets to pay only salaries and not much investment and not, and not the required sustainable reforms that that that, uh, that 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 should be done. Now he's got to stand up. The moment he dishes out more money again to ESCOM to South African Airways, that credibility that Isaiah is talking about is gone. Where does he find that money, Isaiah? Look, growth is very weak. If you look at nominal growth tracking somewhere 4%, Treasury told us it was going to be above 6% at the beginning of the year. This is so, uninflation, not, not adjusted So that's for real plus inflation. Mm. Real growth 0.5%, which is just at about a third of what Treasury thought it was going to be at the beginning of the year. So we know from a growth point of view, it's very weak. Tax revenue are going to, 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 to undershoot. But also from the ability of SARS to collect taxes itself, which is what we call tax buoyancy. For every one round of growth, how much does SARS collect in tax revenues? National Treasury overestimated that, which means there's also going to be a knock on tax revenues. You add SOE bailouts on top of that, it means it's going to be quite difficult for, for Treasury to be able to, to collect the revenues which they need. Year to date, out of August, almost all the revenue lines are running behind budget. So that's corporate, personal, sales Across tax. almost all of, all of the major uh, tax revenue lines that are running below, uh, below expectations. Can I ask a question? I mean, to what extent, I mean, Hillary, you know this. I mean, to what extent does, will this budget not tip us over into a downgrade for Moody's? Can we, can we avoid that? We'd have to be negative <coughs> outlook. I mean, Moody's is not going to yeah. downgrade straight away, but 
on next Friday night, in fact, it is due to provide an update. So what what chance they go into negative outlook, hmm. which sets the clock ticking Before towards December the downgrade. downgrade, right? If I were them, I could hardly avoid it, but <laughs> they seem to avoid it time after time. I think there are a number of factors. It's not only the economic indicators that matter. Remember, from 2015, we were downgraded because of the weakness in the institutional pillar, which accounts for quite a significant proportion of a, uh, of a rating. That institutional pillar over the last year alone, we have the, the World Bank is of doing business improving quite significantly. Seven points from 67 to 60 over the last 12 months. That is an improvement in the institutional pillar. And what we see from all the commissions that are uh, taking place, yes, we haven't had any uh, major figure being thrown in jail or being hold, held accountable as, as, as people would like to see, but the hands of justice take some time to, to bite. But also the economic turnaround is taking some time. I think we have to also uh, concede that it takes some time. have got to have some teeth to bite. Mm -hmm. In the South African context, unfortunately, no teeth, Baba. No, that's true. But I, I think if you look at the repair at SARS itself, Even at the hands NPA, teeth. You know, <laughs> at National Treasury, in many of the institutions that we have, we have seen some gradual repair of those institutions, and that will count positively for the institutional pillar. So if you are a Moody's, you can say, yes, growth is weak, but we have seen some significant improvement in the institutional pillar, which set a base for a faster implementation of reforms in the near future. And you can withhold or you can say, let me change the outlook to negative to give this guy some time, perhaps they can implement let's it. You may avoid the Let's muggle Isaiah day. into Moody's to be our ambassador there and to be TJ? Well, the question is on the revenue side, I mean, whether we've hit bottom yet. So, so many of the things that, uh, that sort of chip away at, at people's tax compliance, th there's a lag before it really hits home. So m many of the things that we're seeing now, that's still the hangover from those last few years of you know, the state capture era. So now you wonder how long before this really works through the system. Because the reason they're not collecting taxes is because people sort of find ways to really avoid it now. It's definitely that is also chipping away, and that's that's another one of the factors that I'm yeah, that I I would say it's yeah. more the weakness of the economy see, than in a weak economy. People are going to yeah. look for ways to to uh, avoid tax if they possibly can, legally or illegally. Well, legally if they can, that's true. But I think that the, the weakness comes from lower VAT collections because expenditure from the from the household sector is is quite weak. But also, if you look at common profitability. It has been very weak, and that's where you, you, you can't collect much uh, corporate income tax. Mm -hmm. I think those are the biggest, the biggest shortfalls where the we see tax. But yeah. on top of that, I think TTJ is saying that, that it, once, once compliance has been eroded, it takes a long time yes, to yeah. persuade Have people Have we hit bottom again. yet? That's the question, Have actually. we? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and there were hopes, I think, uh, as I, that, that SARS would turn around quite quickly from the sort of wreckage of state capture, but clearly this yeah, is not... Clearly, I think this is not going uh, that, in that direction. I think uh, the way I normally characterize it is institutions and the economy are like a bus. It drives at 120 kilometers per hour, you hit dead brakes, it doesn't stop. It goes for some time. Mm -hmm. So we are still in that momentum in Asia that is still on the downward direction because of the actions or inactions of the past. We, we're not yet uh, at the bottom. Uh, because, I mean, if you look at this year, growth is 0.6 or 0.5, last it was 0.8, it means we're still deteriorating, despite the positive actions that we have seen year to date. We'll talk briefly about Eskom before we take a break. Uh, Sikonati, Eskom's CEO and the special paper 
are due to be announced before the end of this month, which gives us just a very few days, along with the debt restructuring. What are your hopes? What would you like to see in such a paper? Well, such a uh, CEO? it's really simple what has to be done. It does not have to be rocket uh, science, but uh, we seem to keep talking and talking. When did uh, we first get the announcement of this paper and the uh, breakup of ESCOM? Probably a year now. And, and nothing has happened other than the talking. So what do, what do I want to see? I would like to see ESCOM indeed let, j just get on with it. You, you, we've been talking for so long. Do what you said you would do. And then let's see what happens uh, when, when you've broken ESCOM into three. Go attack those coal prices. Go attack those uh, inflated uh, contracts inside ESCOM. You, you see them starting to, to collect back some money, including the, the action against Deloitte uh, the, this week. Th that, that's just the start. You need to, uh, to, to go address the people that still work there for themselves inside ESCOM. They own the trucks that rail the coal and they decide what they are paying themselves for. Isaiah, what are investors looking for in the next week and in the budget on the subject of ESCOM? I think first and foremost is the ability of ESCOM to provide reliable electricity continuously. Which it has because not been doing absolutely. this last, the last week. Uh, the last week we have been in plunged into load shedding and we are also in, on, on a road trying to attract fixed investment in the country, $100 billion that we are looking for. But if you don't have power... You can't produce anything. So we, are, we will be unable to attract investment if we can't guarantee the supply of electricity. But as far as ESCOM state is concerned, I think we just have to, to understand that ESCOM state is South Africa state. There is no way to go around it. We can form financial, uh, special purpose vehicles. We can't hide ESCOM state. Ultimately, it's going to be paid by South Africans. So you just take $250 billion off and put it onto the state and go on with life. And, and like what does the debt ratio then look like? I mean, what does the public debt then it will look go, like? It will go to 70% of GDP. But I think what becomes important is the ability to service that debt. If you can service that debt on a continuous basis, then it's fine. The economy picks up, that ratio will fall. Because at the end of the day, it is the, the economy that determines the ability to service the debt. So as a country, we are now directly having to just pay the interest on Eskom's debt. There's no other way. Yeah. Rob? No, no, I mean, I was going to agree absolutely that we don't have, you know, we just basically, like, like the country, we just have days where we just collapse, we just break down, you know, and have to get up and pick ourselves up the next day. But, I mean, uh, in terms of that, it's just, um, you're right, it's just plowing through where we are at the moment and fixing the institutional gaps that mean it won't break down tomorrow, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, the, the problem with ESCOM is the longer ESCOM is a, does not supply reliable electricity, I mean, that has a, a knock-on effect onto the economy. So the growth that we need just doesn't come back. I mean, small business owners are the guys that suffer most from load shedding. I mean, if your payment terminal doesn't work when someone comes to buy something, you can't do business. As Sikonati said many times before, though, imagine if we did have growth of 3%, mm. you wouldn't be able to provide the power to make that happen. That's the thing, yeah. So it's almost fitting that our growth is at such a low ebb is that yeah. we can barely keep the lights on as it is. Imagine yeah. if we had a really growing economy. It's like a yin and yang between ESCOM and growth. Do you, do, do you guys growth? actually remember that we've been talking about this for 12 years in terms of ESCOM? Since 2007, when we had the first part of load shedding, I pray we are not talking about this three years from now. But then we've got in the new IRP, uh, 
we've got no new generation coming up for the next three years other than the committed projects. And of course, uh, Kwede Mantasha says there's no electricity crisis in this country. He says that an hour after he's just published the wrong version of the IRP. It did not look good for, about institutions, as it were. <laughs> but another, another uh, industry where there's been a sort of variety of load shedding is aviation, TJ. Um, SAA Technical being basically sanctioned by the Civil Aviation Authority, grounding planes. Mm -hmm. um, is this, is this a, a really, there have been issues with SAA Technical and indeed with the Civil Aviation Authority. What is this all about and is this, should we be getting on an airplane? So, well, I, I please don't see this as any sort of the, advice the about your travel. I'm not a travel agent. We have to, yeah, the budget is in Cape Town. The budget is in Cape Town, so do we walk there or we do we fly there? We've got, at least we have a reliable <laughs> train service in South Africa. Did Comen, so, Comen not cancel its contract with SA Technical? So they, they're moving out of it gradually. Okay. They are building up their own capacity and um, doing a sort of a deal with the Lufthansa Technik. But what's interesting is Comer has complained for a while about SAA technical and how that's contributed to the many delays that, I mean, anecdotally, you might know that you just often have delays on certain airlines. And um, they've complained that this has contributed to their delays. And then one of their new competitors who, ha who does in-house uh, maintenance, they've had some of the best records when it comes to being on time. So that's the reason why you move away. There's, there's nothing that's so damaged. Well, probably very damaging if an airplane falls out of the sky, but it's nothing for a well-functioning airline that is as damaging as being late all the time. Also, and don't, you get, don't you get a phenomenon, and this is almost like the utility death spiral that Eskom's in, the more incompetent it becomes, the more people sort of move away and then it's revenues. I mean, could you get this kind of thing in SAA where, where you know, even servicing other people's airplanes, which has been one of the mainstays, um, people are not going to walk out. And I mean, are we going to be bailing out SAA forever as well? I think that's uh, that's the challenge that Minister Mbowini has because uh, when he provided bailouts on the last rounds to SOEs, he said there's not going to be any further bailouts without without uh, strict conditions. And I'm not sure if those conditions have been met for any other future bailouts. And with his own, or in his own words, he said. I mean, uh, SAA is not, uh, it's not strategic, it should be sold uh, essentially. So perhaps this may just give him a reason to say, look, it's not even being able to service other, other airlines, so we may as well just close it up. And he's already admitted that that is not his decision to make. Yeah. His is only to say, I won't put money there until you meet these conditions. And guess what? Conditions are not conditions. We will be bailing out SAA. Uh, a few more years uh, if we still have the ANC as the government. That's what it is. Uh, or rather, if we still have COSATU as the government, we will still, we will still have uh, South African Airways. SAA technical. Well, you know that the DA is not going to come and take it from them. So. No, 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 the DA is busy, sh has shot itself on both feet, so it cannot even move uh, to the union buildings physically. So forget about it. COSATU is the real government. And, and we are not going to get anything privatized, restructured to such an extent that it can work. Because that will keep it as it is. But I want to tell you about SAA Technical. Ten years ago, it employed 3,000 technicians and engineers. Today, SAA Technical employs 3,200 people. 
uh, half of them are, 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 or less than half of them are engineers. What are they doing there? It's too depressing. I think we have to leave the country it's and go to a South African just company don't fly that Cape. has done, done flying. No, 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 we're, not we're not saying that. <laughs> let's leave the country to, and go to, to Cape Town. We go, no, we're now going to Amsterdam with oh. TJ, where, where, where Process, which we used to know as NASPERS, is in a hostile takeover battle mm. for a, an equivalent of Uber Eats. TJ, why, this, is, this is kind of quite speedy after the company listed in Amsterdam. Yes, yeah, so they listed in And why a hostile? Well, so listed about a month ago. Uh, Process is the internet assets of Naspers. So Naspers owns 74-odd percent of that. Naspers still, uh, still sort of domiciled here, but Process is then the vehicle in Europe. And they've said from the start, this is, I mean, this is, they, they Bob van Dijk, the CEO, uh, incidentally, Naspers and Process are the same management teams and same boards. But he said they want to attack the next $100 billion of capital, which is uh, a lot. So first deal that we've now seen is they want to buy Just Eat. Um, they've made an all-cash offer, and it's five, well, 4.9 billion pounds. So, I mean, remember the staggering number when Christo Visa sold Pepcor to Steinhoff for 59, 60 mm. billion? This is, th I mean, this is 93 billion rand. It's a, it's a big, I mean, it's as big as it gets with acquisitions. Now, obviously, you can argue that Process is no longer really a South African company, but, I mean, the kind of stage they they play on this is still a big number. And this, if this acquisition goes through, they will be the largest food delivery player in the world. A nice process has these three pillars that it's built on, food delivery, mobile payments, and e-classifieds. And this will make the food delivery part of that a massive part of the business. So well, now you have to ask yourself, is food delivery really the kind of thing, a very competitive sector, that we want all our pension money in? Mm. Rob Rose, you're the, the author of a book on Steinhoff. Um, very large acquisition, hostile, offshore. Should this ring alarm bells? Um, I mean, it depends. I think, to me, I don't think that Marcus Joost is working in the background to create accounts for Nuspers. But, I mean, to me, I think buying companies that are immature in markets where you're not the absolute top, um, companies that might be loss-making at the moment, I think that's a very risky thing to do in the, in the, in the digital space. I mean, you've seen a lot of the Silicon Valley um, titans fall apart. I mean, Theranos is obviously the most ex most prime example of that. But you know, this is a very risky gambit. But this is Nasdaq's strategy. Yeah. I mean, On the other hand, Nasdaq took a risk with Tencent, and look where it is now. Yes, but so I mean, how many Tencent are there in the world? So, do you keep risking all your pension money and what you hope will be the next Nasdaq, uh, next Tencent? I, I I would look at it this way: ninety-three billion rand certainly to all of us in South Africa is quite a big number. But what is 93 billion rands uh, relative to the market cap of, 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 of process? Mm. I, I, I submit it's just less than 10%. So, that's, so, 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 so the, you, that's, that's how you look at it. If you want to get on the big scale, play with the big boys, go for it and, and, and do it. Yes, for every 200 uh, deals that uh, NASPAS considers, uh, at least it will invest in 10 and maybe two or three will shoot the lights out. And, and by far, process or, or Tencent is, is, is by far the best for now. So why stop there? Mm. And Asai, just to comment on South African companies going abroad, um, I mean, are we going to see more of it? Have, uh, given, given that we've had a very mixed yeah, it's results. Quite, it's quite mixed. Over the past 10 years, we've seen companies uh, go and invest in Nigeria, go and invest in Australia and Mozambique, but they have been banned. 
which means um, the environment is not as easy as they, they think it will be. Um, it's much more easier here. They know the environment, they know the customer base, and it's, it's quite easy in terms of, uh, of some of the regulatory um, burdens which they have to, to jump over. Likely it's going to continue. South Africa's growth remains very, very poor. Um, so to look for, for revenue streams, companies have to look outside uh, to try and uh, booster their revenues. So I think it's, it's a trend that's likely to continue. Rob Rose, happy birthday. It is the Financial Mail's 60th birthday coming up this week. Uh, tell us about it. Tell us about the special edition you are publishing for the occasion. Well, we, um, for, for, the, for the anniversary edition, we, we got um, a whole lot of South African leaders to write for us. So the president, Silver Ramposa, wrote the, the cover story for us. We had Tilly Madonsela writing. We had Chris Becker, the chairman of NASPERS, who didn't write about the um, Just Eat deal, um, but he wrote about uh, other things. We had Sim Chabalala, the CEO of Standard Bank. We had some very, um, some, some big influential power brokers who wrote about their thoughts on where we are as a country and how we need to reinvigorate ourselves. Um, and we look back, I suppose, on what it means to be a you know, a print publication in 2019, given the fact that 25%, 30% of print publications have, have closed down in the States in the last, in the last decade or so. So 60 years is quite a... 60 years is, quite is, an is impressive it's a millennial. Milestone. It's a millennium in print terms. I must say he looks good for 60, eh? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. And the magazine is looking very good. Yeah, it's the hip. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's all we have time for now. Um, please join us again next week for another edition of Editing Aloud.